excited about this morning. We had a really busy weekend this weekend. It was super fun. Uh, we had the work day yesterday and you, what? No? You can't hear me? No? I'm not mic'd. Okay, well, oh, okay, Josh, Josh, is, he's, he's got it. He's got it under control. So, I can yell really loud too, so it, it, it works. Uh, right, <laughs> yeah, right, online, they just see my mouth moving. That'd be fun. Okay, so last, uh, yesterday, we had a great day here at the church. The workday was amazing. It was awesome. Thank you guys all who came out to do that. But also, a little less well-known, is we had a worship workshop that took place. Come on, worship team. Yes. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, friends of ours, uh, came from Denver, and they hosted the worship workshop. Kaysen, he's a friend of mine. He's a worship leader many, many years. And it was so much fun. They did a great job. Kaysen and Laura, you guys stand up. Just want to recognize you. So it was a blast. We had so much fun, a lot of laughter and joy and just sharing life together. Uh, it, was, it was really, really good. And so uh, Kaysen has been a longtime friend of mine. We're very, very close. And when our wives have us together, they have to deal with our humor, um, which just continues to go. Like, we get on a roll, and then we just keep going and keep going, and then the wives just kind of walk out of the room, you know, because we, we can't stop. So it's a lot of fun. But anyways, that was great. It was a great time, a wonderful time for the church yesterday. So thank you all who came out, whether to the workshop or to the work day. It was really, really good. You guys ready for the word? All right, all right. Um, how many of you guys are readers in the room? You're big readers. You like books, okay? Like novels, awesome. Uh, if you notice, some of the best books always begin with a hook, right? And they teach you this in writing. Like my kids have been writing papers, and, and they tell you, okay, you got to start your paper out with a hook, like a question, something that draws in the reader. And so, you know, when Gabriel's doing his paper on Ronald Reagan, he's like, have you ever wondered what Ronald Reagan's like. And, and so it starts that way, and then, you know, we work on it, it gets better. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the greatest books, they, they start almost, for me, like in the middle of something. Like something is happening already. You don't know what it is. You don't know who the characters are, but something's going on, and it just draws you in, and you want to read the whole book, and, and typically it's in those first two pages, you know, because you're at the bookstore, you pick up a book, you read the first couple of pages, and then you're hooked, and then now you got to buy it because you got to continue to read. And so the best stories start out with something that draws you in, and then they also end with this climactic moment. Now, what's amazing is it can be in very different directions. So it could be a, a big battle, a, a triumph, where there's this war and they fight and they win and it's amazing. Or it could be uh, the loss of someone, like uh, the, someone dies at the end and it's like a tragedy, but it's moving and there was these relationships that were developed along the way and you were on this journey. But then the best books stay with you after you're done reading them. Have you guys noticed that? Like you, you, you keep talking about them. 
you, you kind of think about it. You're like, man, man, that was just how that ended. That was just crazy. And oh, wow. And, 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 just, and, it, and it sticks with you. And a lot of times it, it, you become reflective and, and think about your own relationships or think about something in your life. And I love that journey and that dynamic. And I think the same thing happens in our faith journey is that our journey with God begins with a hook. <laughs> Something took place. Maybe it was the gospel message presented at an event that we were at and we heard about the cross of Jesus for the first time and God's love broke through and it captured our heart. Or maybe it was we visited a church and during worship we felt something that we've never felt before. And we're like, man, what is that? And in some way, or maybe it was a, a person, a friend of ours, who loved us so well in the middle of a hardship or a loss. But somewhere along the way, all of our journeys begin with this common factor, and it's the love of God. Some way, somehow, through some person or event, God's love breaks through to our heart and we're hooked because we're made for it. And then we begin a journey. And at the end of our journey of faith, we get to see Jesus face to face. And faith isn't required anymore because he's there. And we embrace Love incarnate. And we get to remain with him forever. It's the redemption story. It's God's plan for all of us. And it begins and ends with love. So the title of my message this morning is The Open and the Close. The Open and the close. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, that you are good, you are faithful, and you are present. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge that you're present here in this room, Lord, that our hearts are your temple. And so, Father, I ask that you speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that anything that comes out of my mouth that's not of you will fall to the ground and die. Lord, but your words will remain and be seeds planted in good ground, bearing 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit in our lives, God. We love you. We want to encounter you in your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, today we are kicking off a new series called The Law of Love. The Law of Love. And so what we're going to do throughout this series is each week we're going to dive into a unique expression or attribute of the love of God, which there are many, right? But each week throughout the summer we're going to dive into a specific expression of God's love and find out how do we respond to this. But today I kind of wanted to lay the foundation of what do we do with these truths, 
as we encounter God, as we experience this new dimension of his love, because hopefully that's something we experience regularly. You know, every day or every week or in moments that we're experiencing a new dimension, a new facet, like looking at a diamond, all the different cuts, all the different reflections of it, that the love of God is that to us. And we see something new as we continue to pursue him. But what do we do with those truths? As we experience these expressions of God's love, how do we respond? And so I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, We're all familiar with love being the greatest command, right? We all know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your, with all your soul. (laughs) What's the, what's the, what's the expression for soul? I don't know that one. Soul, I I don't know. Right? (laughs) Heart, mind, soul, and strength. So love the, love the Lord. I was, I I was on an island there. I got stuck. I got stuck there on soul. Um, Loving God with all of us, right? And then What's the second commandment? It's just like it. Love your as your. That's right. So the greatest commandment is to love. Right? The foundation of our faith is loving God. But what's amazing about this is when Jesus talks about it, he doesn't just say, hey, this is the greatest commandment. He does say that because someone asks, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. But he says something even more powerful that's really unique And he says that all of scripture, all of truth literally depends on love. Look at what he says in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that is a big statement. All of the law, all the commands found in the law, all of the prophets, all of scripture hangs on these two commands. And in the message translation, it says this, these two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. So you think of it in that picture, right? These two pegs in a wall and there's these, these bags like hanging on them. And it's the law, all the different laws and all the writings of the prophets. And they're hanging on these pegs. So what does that mean? If you take away love, everything falls. That is literally what holds it all together. That is the motivation behind all the commands of the Lord is loving him. The reason why, the why, we all need to know our why. The why is loving God, and then it's loving people. That's the other why for the commands. So everything depends and hinges on love. Without them, we have nothing. It's the foundation that we build our lives upon. And Jesus went on to say later in John 15, 12, my command is this that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, this is my command. Ready? Because he's talking before this about keeping his commands and those who love me keep my commands. And my friends, if you're my friends, you'll do what I say and you'll keep my commands. Then he says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Basically, you've heard a lot of do's and don'ts in your lifetime. He says, let me sum it up for you. Love 
your neighbor. Love one another. And so Paul, in his writings, then refers to this thing called the law of Christ. He refers to the law of Christ. Look at this in Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what is he referring to? What's the law of Christ? Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. But look, in Romans, he really makes the point clear. Chapter 13, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. That is the law of Christ. So the law of Christ is love one another as I have loved you. So he says, this is the core. If you don't remember anything else I tell you, remember this. Love one another. Love each other. So if we truly want to experience the fullness of life in God, we want to be a part of that huge narrative of redemption that Jesus invited us into many, many years ago and experience the epic nature of his incredible love for us, then we have to dive into this truth of the love of God. And that's why we're going to spend the next few weeks doing so. So we have to know how then to respond. What's our part? Because we know that God's done a lot. We, we understand his part. We understand the gospel. We know what Jesus has done. So what's our part? How do we respond to the truths of God's love? There's a couple of things I want to talk about this morning in our response. Number one is grasp his love. We have to grasp it. What does that mean? Receive the full measure of God's love. They receive the full measure. What? That's a lot. How do we do that? Ephesians 3, 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is one of our prayers. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, meaning this is your foundation, the gospel of Christ being rooted and established in it, then that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So I says, this is the foundation that you build your life on. And then in addition to that foundation, I want you to pray that you could grasp the full measure and extent of God's love for you. And then he doesn't stop there. He goes even farther. Verse 19 and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. So he says, build your foundation in love. Then he says, understand it, grasp it fully to the best of your ability. Take in the truths of God's love. And then he says, don't just take it in and understand it, experience it. 
know something that's beyond knowledge so that you could be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, that's an awesome invitation. Think of it like this. Uh, have you guys ever seen those little toys? They're sponges and they're inside a little capsule. You guys know, you parents, I know you know what I'm talking about, right? And so you have these little pill-looking things, and they have a sponge inside of them. It's just a little bitty pill. And then you put it in water, right? And then it gets soft, the little outer coating, and then suddenly, boo, the little sponge explodes out of there, and it fills up with water, and then it's, they get pretty big. You're like, wow, all that fit in that tiny little pill. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I thought it was cool when I was a kid, and I still think it's cool. So... Um, so uh, so you put those in water, right? And then they, they expand. The same is true for us. We as human beings are sponges. We take in what we surround ourselves with. We soak it up, good and the bad, right? That's why the Bible talks about how bad company corrupts good morals. Like if you surround yourself with something, then it's going to find its way in, right? But if we immerse ourselves in the love of God. If we immerse ourselves into God's love, eventually what happens is that outer shell, the cares of our life, all the different things that hit us in life, the hardship, the losses, all the things that we navigate through that may, might be holding us back, eventually if we are constantly immersed in the love of God, that we break through. And then the next thing we know, we are filling up just like that sponge with the love of God until we are filled to the full measure of his love and the full intent of our identity in Christ. We see who we were meant to be, right? You see the sponge and, and the shape of it and what it is when it takes in water. The same is true for us when we take in the love of God and we're in the presence of the Lord and we're just marinating in that. And we take on our true form to be made in his likeness and image. And then we spill out. We drip. That would be the hope, that we are just dripping with the love of God and with the presence of God in our life. That we're so full. And so I love that picture. That's why Paul goes on to pray these requests, that we might have power by the Holy Spirit to grasp the full measure of Christ's love. We can't do it on our own. We need the Spirit's power to illuminate God's word and make it come to life so we might know the full measure of his love and then experiencing it so that we can experience the fullness of God. So that word grasp there means three different things. In the Greek, it means to take, like lay hold of, seize, right? to receive, like act as a reciprocal and just take in what's being offered, and then also to fully understand. And I think all three of these definitions are true when it comes to the love of God. That God wants us to lay hold of his love. Don't just let it pass by. You, if you hear the truth of God's love somewhere, you read it in scripture, you hear it in a message, you hear it in a worship song, take hold of that. Now, this is for me. This is God's love for me. I'm owning that. I'm taking that in. Yes, Lord, I receive that love in this moment. I'm seizing that. And then we take it in. We, we open up our hearts in worship, in the word, in prayer, when we're in a group, whatever it is. And we open up our hearts to receive love. 
Sometimes we need to receive love from others, from other believers that are trying to love us. Sometimes we need to love ourselves and forgive ourselves. But we take it in and then also we seek to understand it. So where do we begin? How do we, how do we start grasping the love of God? Well, we obviously we see it in Scripture, but in Scripture it goes even beyond. We talked about how it's the greatest command, right? We, we also see that in Scripture that it's an attribute of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's not just that either. It even transcend, transcends the motivation for the cross. Love is even more than that. It's all of those things and more. Because 1 John, look at chapter 4, verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Interesting. Whoever does not love does not know God. Wow. That's, that's rough. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then 416, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So it's not just a command. It's not just an attribute. It's not just a fruit of the spirit. It's all those things, but it's, it's the very nature of God. It's who he is. You can't separate it from him. It's, it's in his DNA. So the question then is, I think something that we do sometimes is we hear something like that, God is love, and I've done this. It's like, okay, well, God is love. So then I start defining God by that word. I'm like, oh, God is love. So love, my understanding of love is affection and it's devotion and these these things. So God is that. It's like, no, no, no. You can't define God by a word. He's too big for that. (laughs) It's the other way around. The greater has to inform the lesser, right? So how do we know what love is? We look at the nature of God, right? So we, we, because we don't know, but if we look at God, we say, now that, that's love. That's how we know how to love. So where do we look? If we want to look at God, we want to know what love is. Well, how do we know the nature of God? The best place to look is Jesus, right? The The visible image of the invisible God. Okay, so we look at the life of Jesus. Okay, that makes it more confined because that's a big thing, God's nature. But we look at his life, ultimately in the gospels, about three years, and we see how he lived. We see the stories that he told, the teachings that he gave, and then how he interacted with people. How did he love people in different situations, in different contexts? How did he respond to them? So we look at Jesus, his parables, teachings, examples as the perfect human expression of love. How cool is that, that we get a perfect example, a human example. It's not just ethereal things up here, theology and doctrine. Like we actually can look at a person's life who was on the earth and how they lived and say, oh, that's how I pattern my life. What a blessing. They have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness as well and understands when we're broken and when we fall short and there's so much grace there for us. But we look at his parables, the stories he told, like for instance, the prodigal son. It's a picture of God's love, right? The son takes the inheritance of the father, wastes it all, rejects the father, 
lives carnally, and he doesn't even come back to his father until he's kind of hit rock bottom. He's like, I guess I should go back now because I don't have anything else. (laughs) Comes back to the father. How does the father respond? He sees his sons from afar, runs to him, falls on his neck, kisses him, embraces him, weeps over him, forgives, accepts, and celebrates the return of his son, and his his son has done nothing. A picture of love. The parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Another example of God's love. There's a man that's been robbed and beaten, and he's in a ditch, bloodied on the roadside. And different religious people, a priest, a Levite, walks by, they see him, and they do nothing. And then a stranger, a Samaritan man, comes, takes him, he sees him, he cares for him, he loves him, he bandages his wounds, he pays for his recovery. Picture of love. The teachings of Jesus, washing his disciples' feet, says, do unto each other as I have done to you. Wash each other's feet. He says, you want to know what love is? Greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friend. Love is sacrificial. And then we look at how Jesus interacted with people. The woman who was caught in adultery. He meets her with grace and truth. The leper who comes to be cleansed, he touches him and cleanses him. The widow of Nain who lost her son and she's grieving over the loss of her young son and Jesus, it says, is moved with compassion. He groans within himself over her grief and then he raises her son to life. That's pretty cool. When Lazarus died, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He, he had every intent to do that. But yet, when he saw the grief of Mary and Martha grieving their brother's loss, Jesus wept. The way he, he interacted with children, saying, let him come. A cry of forgiveness from the cross. You see, it's painting a picture. This is what love is. That's how we define love. So when we hear the command, love one another, as I have loved you, that's what we see. So grasping has to do with taking in what's being offered receiving the fullness of God's love for us as we begin to understand it more fully. So, in other words, we are the characters in the story. I'm the prodigal son that the father met with love and forgiveness and compassion. I'm the man who was beat up on the side of the road And Jesus stopped and he saw and he mended my wounds. I am the leper crying out, are you willing to cleanse me? We're the people in the story. And that's how we can receive the truth of God's love for us. And we take it in because it's meant to be personal. 
Because God loves you as an individual, his creation, his best work. And he wants you to take it in as if it was made and tailored for you. Because guess what? It was. So we take that in and soak it up like that sponge, grasping the love of God. So that's our first response is we take it in. And then when we take all that in, we're full. And so the next step is pouring it out, right? Out all over all the people around us in our lives. Loving the people that God has put in proximity to us, whether it's a neighbor or a friend or a family member or a coworker or whoever it is, that we pour out the love of God. So number two, so number one was grasp his love and number two is remain in his love. Remain. Or you could say submit fully to the law of love. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You're like, okay, so that's just like hanging out in God's presence. But look what he says. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. My command, there it is again, is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this lay down his life for his friends. So remaining has to do with positioning ourselves under the law of love. Submitting to Christ's command to love each other as I have loved you. This is how we remain in love, by submitting to the command of Jesus to love each other, to love one another, as Jesus has loved us. So then we reverse the roles of those stories. We start as the prodigal son. We start as the man who was beaten and left for dead beside the road, and we receive God's love. But now... We take the other side. We're the father. And we forgive and accept and celebrate someone even if they've rejected us. We're the good Samaritan. We look and and see people in their brokenness and in their hurt and in their wounds. And we reach out with compassion and care and love for them. We step outside our comfort zone and we care for people. We see them the way Jesus does. And we respond. We're so full. We're so full of God's love. We can't keep that to ourselves. It's too good. So we share it with the world. And this is how we remain. We remain in the love of God. By loving each other as he has loved us. So we have two responses. Understanding and receiving his great love for us which is where our faith began, right? Somewhere along the way, we grasped the love of God and then receiving it, submitting to and obeying the law of love towards others. And that's ultimately where our faith ends, remaining. Once and for all, we remain in the love of God forever. How awesome is that? So over the next few weeks, as we dive into these different attributes of God's love, this is how we're going to look to respond, to grasp take it in, receive the full measure of that truth, and then pour it out, remain 
submit, love one another as we have been loved. Because what was Jesus's command when he told his disciples, he called his 12 and he says, go out, heal the sick, cleanse the the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, do all this amazing work. What did he say at the end of that? Freely you have received. Now, freely give. We freely receive the fullness of God's love. So now, let's freely give it out. So I encourage you, even this week, as you're spending time with the Lord, as you're in the word, whatever you're doing, take it in. Put yourself in the story. Receive the full measure. God, I want to understand it. I want to understand it fully. I want to experience it. I want to receive the full measure, and then I want to give it out. So I want to close with this. 1 Corinthians 13, we all know, is the love chapter. I love the way this begins. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, But do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Life without the love of God is empty. Love, his love is our life source. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. How? It's the love of God. His life is found in his love. And that's how we as believers live a life that is fully alive. We're not walking around like zombies. No, we're not just going through the motions. No, we are alive. We are alive to God. Why? Because we're experiencing the full measure of his love. We're receiving it. So it all begins with opening the door of our heart and letting ourselves be loved, letting God love on us. It's hard to do sometimes because I know I don't feel worthy of it because I'm not. I'm like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy being new every morning. I don't deserve your strength perfected in my weakness. I don't deserve the cross. I don't deserve you reaching out and never giving up on me and always affirming me. I don't deserve any of that. And so sometimes it feels a little awkward, like, yes, God, I know I need your love desperately, like really, especially right now. I need it, but I don't deserve it. have to listen to the Father's voice. He wants to do this. I want to. I want you to experience this. And sometimes he breaks through without our permission. Kind of like the prodigal father or like the son's got this whole speech prepared. He's like going to repent and say all these things so that God, his father will accept him. And his father just interrupts it and just embraces him and cries on him and celebrates and puts a robe on him and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kills the fatted calf and has this huge party. And the son's like, oh, that's the father. So I just want to take a moment this morning. If everyone just bow your heads, close your eyes. Uh, just ask God. 
God, what are you saying to me right now? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What is it that you want me to know about how you love me? And it might be something totally different. It's not even anything that I'm saying right now. God, what are you saying? I just want to receive from you. I just want to open my hands and take in whatever it is that you're offering because it's for my good. Lord, will you speak to us? Will you pour out your love in our hearts afresh this morning? Lord, immerse us just like that sponge, God. Immerse us in your love to where we're filled up to overflowing and we're just dripping with the love of God. Lord, help us to understand the full measure of your love, but also to experience it, God. We want to be fully alive to you. So will you meet us this morning? Pour out your spirit afresh on us this morning as we respond and worship, God. Will you just pour out your spirit on us? Let us see another facet of your incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen. If I can just invite the prayer team to come forward and just be on the sides here. Uh, listen, if you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. Anything at all doesn't have to have anything to do with what we talked about today. It could be about a job interview. It could be about loss can be about anything. We just want to pray with you. And it's important that we stand together. We love each other. This is an opportunity. One of the ways we can love one another is by praying for each other. So if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Could you just stand? We're going to respond and close with a moment of worship and just open up our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning.
this week, as we go into our week, Father, I pray, Father, we'll encounter your love in new ways and fresh ways each moment. Lord, we love you, Father. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I love you guys. Appreciate you all. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a great Sunday.